Hey, hey, friend. I may open a can of worms here today in this episode, but it's okay. I'm feeling a little ruckusy right now, <laughs> so we're just going to go with it. But to be honest, after 20 years of parenting, there are a couple of questions that I have heard people say to my kids, and it just makes me cringe. And so today, I want to have a conversation with you and tell you these couple of questions and maybe just open your mind. Maybe you'll think about these questions a little bit differently. <laughs> and maybe you also feel the same way about these questions. All right, let's do it. Let's get ruckusy together. Okay, friend? Welcome to the Little by Little Homeschool Podcast, where you can get out of survival mode, feel confident in your homeschool decisions, and gain peace in your heart and home. I know that when we plant our feet firmly in this season of life and embrace our homeschooling, motherhood, and homemaking, we will thrive. I truly believe that we can do this from a place of peace and joy, all while growing a ton of contentment. And while we're at it, Mama, let's deepen those relationships with our children and love these years we get to pour into them. If you're ready to create beauty, seek simplicity, and live intentionally, homeschool mama, then close out that lesson book, let the kids go play, and let's have an authentic conversation. Let's start and just put this out there and just say that, yes, I know, we all have different goals as parents, and yes, some families have different values as well, and we should we should respect those. And so let's go back to the having different goals. That's perfectly fine. It's acceptable. Maybe your goal is for your kids to be high powered, high ticketing lawyers. And others are like, you know, I want my kids just to chase their passions. There's nothing wrong either way. We need to follow the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by God as we parent our children. So I do want to keep that in mind. And yes, some of our families have different values. Um, if this is your first episode, then maybe <laughs> you might not know this. But otherwise, if you've been here listening to the podcast for a while, it's, it's no shock that my family comes at life from a Christian and a biblical worldview. And so that's going to lead and guide our values, which is also then going to decide or we're going to use that to make our decisions as far as our goals. So yes, families. And so families even you could be also a Christian and come from a biblical worldview and have different goals and a different vision for what your family is. That's cool. That's great. That's what we should have because every couple is different. Then we add children to the mix and families as a whole are going to be very different. So let's keep that in mind and understand that's the context I'm coming at these couple of questions um, today with. But I think that these questions I'm going to give you, there's two questions. I, to be honest, I was trying to come up with a list of them, and I just couldn't think of other ones that really kind of get. So that we'll say that these are the top two that, that are on the same level with each other. Other ones I could think of that were just kind of, eh, whatever. They're on a lower level. These two are the main ones that really just make me cringe and make me kind of get my guard up and make me shift the conversation. We'll say that. If I find that my kids, if I am with them and we encounter one of these conversations, it is definitely the ones that I, well, among others, <laughs> but this comes to like some of them asking the kids a question like, and I will really help to steer the conversation in a different way because I see these questions as having a deeper meaning that we don't 
always as the asker of the question are not necessarily aware of it. And I don't point it out. I don't say anything to the person. So maybe if you know me in real life and you've asked my kids this question, you're like, oh, that's why she reacted in that way. <laughs> I don't, probably not, probably not the scenario. So I mentioned these are, there's two questions. So these are my top two questions. And the first one I'm going to mention here, it began when my oldest was just a toddler and it was really hot and heavy, no pun intended. You'll hear why I'm saying no pun intended in just a minute. It was really intense during the toddler, preschool, and younger elementary years, which when you hear the question, really shouldn't be a question for that age range. And the other question is one that I noticed as my kids got older, specifically I mean, I guess they would ask kids these questions when they were younger, but I guess really it didn't start to kind of stir up like a little bit of me being like, "Mm, don't ask them that question (laughs) until they got to be a little bit older, like say middle school and high school. And when they have gotten into high school, I was able to have conversations with my children about both of these questions. (laughs) I let them know about the one that people would ask all the time when they were younger, because I couldn't have a conversation when they were younger about why I didn't, I was trying to get the person not to ask this question of them. But as they're older, I can have a conversation with them as to why I don't personally love this question being asked of them. Okay, here's the first question. This is the one that began with my daughter. And I feel like it was more so with her than with my boys. And it began in the toddler years and continued on through. It wasn't really, it wasn't asked of her. I mean, maybe I'm not going to say never, but I'm just thinking the people that would ask this often of her. It wasn't asked as she got older because it was obvious that this was not a focus of our family. And they just realized it was a silly question asked. But are you ready? The first question that I feel that should never be asked of a homeschool or any child is this one. And it is, who is your boyfriend? Or who is your girlfriend? Or phrase like, oh, is that your boyfriend? Because my two-year-old child a girl is playing with another little boy. Oh, is that your boyfriend? Oh, your boyfriend, girlfriend. Mm, Some of you feel the same way. And right now you're like, I know exactly how you feel. Why does this question grate on me? Why do I feel that it is highly inappropriate to ask a child? And I don't think that it was coming from this reason for these people, but I know, and I can see, and I know you see it too, We live in a super hyper-sexualized culture. And if you are consuming that hyper-sexualization, it is in the magazines you read. It is in the social media you look at. It is on the TV shows that you're watching. It's in the movies that you go to the movie theater and watch. It is everywhere. It is so prevalent. And you don't think anything about it. And I think you really become desensitized to it. And so it's really natural to just say to a little child, oh, is that your boyfriend? Is that your girlfriend? Because they're sitting and building blocks with a child of the same age of the opposite sex. Now let's take this one step further. And obviously from what I've said so far, this wasn't something that I grasped onto, but I would encounter parents who would say, oh, that's little Jill's boyfriend. Little Jill is three. And the boyfriend is three. No, they're not boyfriend and girlfriend. It is, to me, honestly, it's preposterous to say such a thing. If you're saying it in a way like, yes, we're identifying that that is a boy and a friend. But in our culture, we don't say that. I say about my friends that happen to be female, that's my friend. I don't need to say that's my girlfriend. Because in our culture, 
when we say boyfriend, girlfriend, it is a romantic type of relationship, romantic sexual type of relationship. And to say to a young child, even say, let's say a seven or eight year old, and you happen to, because we most of us homeschool, your homeschool daughter, seven or eight, and somebody sees, I don't know, say a friend or an aunt or uncle comes with you to some type of uh, outing or something and sees them talking to a boy of the same age. And maybe it's a nature hike. And you are talking, they are talking about the leaves or the trees or something, or, or no, who knows what? They're probably having a conversation about the funny things that their dogs each do. And to say, oh, is that your boyfriend? Is just, I mean, the child then feels like, oh, am I supposed to have a boyfriend? And that right there is where I have an issue. Well, one of the many issues. <laughs> but right there, you make a seven or eight-year-old feel like they have to have a boyfriend. And the more that you say that, the more that our culture makes them feel like they are not enough if they do not have a member of the opposite sex giving them attention besides dad or brothers and sisters, but not giving them attention in some type of romantic inclination. And so when I would run into this type of situation when my kids were younger with my daughter and with my boys, if somebody said anything like, oh, I would be like, no, that's just a friend. Or if they would, as they got older, if this person would say to my child, and I was there, I would redirect the conversation because my kids would look at me like, what do you mean? That's just Bobby. He's just friends like with us. We're family friends. We get together. We go on picnics together. We all homeschool. We do this. I'm like, what do you mean my boyfriend? Like, ew. And so all of a sudden you add in that, ew, I just don't, when my kids were younger, I wanted them to enjoy others, no matter whether they are of the same sex or opposite sex, for just for who they are. And again, have conversations with them about whatever stuff, you know, the silly things that their dogs are doing. And I carried this over even to my kids getting older. And yes, it can get a little weird once they get to middle school, high school, and you know when maybe like a family friend, uh, your families are friends and you get together often, you can kind of sense when they have a little bit of a crush on your child, you know, it'll come, it'll go. And then they'll go back to the, oh yeah, so-and-so is just, you know, like just a friend uh, thing or like a more of like a brother sister type of relationship because you have grown up together through the homeschool years. But I want to encourage you that if this type of language comes out of your mouth, that you stop for a minute or at least stop now and think about why is it you're saying saying it and is it appropriate to say to a child and not to continue to foster the hypersexualization of children? Let them be kids. Let them be innocent. Let them just be toddlers and just play together, preschoolers and elementary school kids and just beyond. Now, as they do get older, they might not have those times of playing. They're not going to be building blocks and Legos when they're, you know, 15, 16, 17. It just gets weird at that age. I'm going to tell you right now that there kind of comes to an age where opposite sex friends, it just gets weird. And I know that a lot of people are okay with it. We didn't, we honestly didn't, uh, didn't allow and they didn't, they weren't really interested in the, in the other friends, like the family friends, they felt like they were like brothers and sisters to them. And we just didn't focus and push that. And I really do think that if this kind of talk of boyfriend, girlfriend, when they're younger continues on and adds a lot of pressure to our young people as teens that they do need a boyfriend. I do need a girlfriend because grandma's been or aunt or uncle or the next door neighbor or somebody has been saying this to me for 10 years now. 
And that is why for me and my household, that is why we chose not to use that type of language. And there were times that I would just have to flat out say to somebody because they would say this often and over and over again. And my child was catching on. I would say, oh, we don't do the boyfriend, girlfriend thing. And because my child is seven or eight years old, come on. And that would stop it. So sometimes you just need to say like, well, we don't do that. And if they think you're weird, who cares? Because you might be weird compared to the world. And you know what? The world's going to world. Let's be the weird homeschoolers that we are. and <laughs> Let's embrace it because the proof is in the pudding, we'll say. Okay, let's jump to the second question. And I'm going to give you the question and then just keep listening. Hear me out fully on this. And this was a question that, yes, we encountered it when they were maybe elementary school, middle school, but then it really got to be a lot more when they got high school. And that's kind of one of the age range that I want to talk about, talk about, you know, using this question more specifically with teens and young adults. And so you ready? Here the question is. So listen to the question, but then hear me out, okay? Because there's like a little disclaimer here and a workaround of this. So the question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's a perfectly honest question. I remember being asked that, and I think I asked my kids that when they were younger, but I never really thought about the deep down. And so maybe, you know, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because as in like, you know, what kind of, you know, they're into dressing up in costume kind of stuff. And for their birthday, you're like, okay, you want to be a police officer? Cool. I can get you a police officer costume so that you can put it on and wear it all day and go to bed in it too and refuse to put your pajamas on. But the question of what do you want to be when you grow up, this is the issue that I have with it. And that is that we put 100% value by asking that question on what the, what your child will be or the child that you're speaking to will be and what they'll be doing and how they'll be spending their time when they are older. Instead of saying something about what are you doing right now and being interested in what they're being right now, who they are, how they're growing in their faith, how they're growing in their maybe physical stature and their strength and in their knowledge. Because we as adults get so focused on what are they going to do with their lives when they get older? But you know what? They're doing things with their lives right now. And the things that they're doing right now is actually preparing them for the future, what they're going to do. I want to ask you a question. Are you doing right now what you thought you were going to do. So if somebody asked you that question, is this exactly what you're doing? Is this what you would say if someone asked you that question when you were 10 or when you were 15 or when you were 18? I'm going to guess probably not because most of us are stay-at-home homeschooling moms. And I can guarantee you at 10, I didn't even know the word homeschool. And at 18, I was like, "Mm -mm, absolutely not. Even if I kind of had a little bit of an inkling what homeschool was, I was like, no way. I had my mind set on career and had no idea, no idea at all. It was so fun. I love being a homeschool mom. And what I am doing now is so much better than what I, how I would have answered that question when asked at 10, 15, and 18. And I'm curious to know about you. Are you doing what you thought you would be doing at those ages? Some of you were like, no, I'm not even doing what I thought I would be doing a year ago. Definitely not doing what I thought I would be doing 20 years ago. So jump into the Facebook group. Look for the post about this podcast episode and leave a comment on there and let me know what you thought you would be doing right now and what you are doing right now. And that probably is being a homeschool mom. (laughs) And so let's swing back around to the question. 
of what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, let's also focus. So I'm not saying completely abandon. Maybe you have a child who is in eighth grade and saying, I want to be a veterinarian. They love animals. Well, how can you give them experience right now? Spend that time. Find a vet office that will let her volunteer. Find a shelter that will let him or her volunteer. Get them out into this to be able to experience, to really see if this is maybe what they want to do. And again, eighth grade, yeah, they can change their mind, but this would give them a basis, a foundation. Let them do these things now. They might say in a couple of years, no, I don't want to do that. But you know what? I want to uh, foster some animals. I want to be like a midway kind of halfway house for animals and help them out to get another home or something like that. doesn't mean that they're completely abandoning. They just have found a different direction for what their pursuits, what their passions are, we'll say, what they really are interested in. And so I say that because we don't want to be ignorant and negligent as parents in not giving them some experience and exposure to some areas that they are interested in. Maybe they're like, maybe the little boy who dressed up your son or daughter dressed up in a police uniform, really enjoyed that as best Christmas or birthday gift ever. And they get older and like, you know, maybe I want to get into law enforcement or criminal justice. Maybe the police officer friend that can kind of show them around a little bit in an age appropriate manner. And then we're like, no, that's not really what I want to do. <laughs> or maybe they say, hmm, that actually kind of still intrigues me. And they can build upon that as they get older. But when we focus so much on like, what do you want to be when you grow up? We are kind of missing out on who they are today. So a better question might be to ask a young person, because I'm kind of focused a little bit here on the teen years when we ask this question, is to ask them, what are you doing right now? What are you interested in? What books are you reading? What um, are you interested in learning about? Who are you spending time with? And to understand that this right now is building upon that. Again, how many of us know what we're, I mean, so stop right now and say you are, okay, so we'll equate this to like somebody asking a 15 year old, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, when's grown up anyway? <laughs> At what age is, is grown up? So let's say, what do you want to be when you grow up? So like, what do you want to be when 25? So in 10 years, I'm going to ask you that question. What do you want to be when you grow up in 10 years? What do you want to be doing in 10 years? We as adults could probably give some answers to that. And maybe you're saying, you know, in 10 years, I would like to have a nonprofit organization or in 10 years, I'd like us to be homesteading or in 10 years, I'd like us to be out on the mission field. Those are great goals to have. But a lot of us are, well, I don't really, to be honest, I don't know where I'll be in 10 years. My youngest, oh my goodness, let's not talk about that. <laughs> my youngest will be 25. Uh, but you know, like how much, you know, I can have these ideas of what I, and I do, I do have some ideas. And I should spend some time on seeing like what will get me to that point. And as I progress on that, is that still what I want to do? And it's okay if I change my mind. And it's okay if you change your mind. And it's okay if your young person changes their mind too. We leave our kids, we kind of like pigeonhole them, I guess. We make them feel like they have to stick with that. How many times have you run into kids? I've run into kids who have pursued something, went to college because they wanted to do something because they said that's what they were going to do since they were 12 years old, get out of college, and they're doing something completely different. Even when I got my first job out of college, I was kind of using my degree. And then the next job, we got married and I moved. Not really. I just needed my degree to get the job. And then after that job that I fell in love with, I was a wedding coordinator. 
I didn't need to go to college to do that. And I loved it. It was my most favorite job. And then I ended up having children and staying home with them. But let's not get so focused on what they want to be when they grow up and we miss what they're doing right now. Maybe you do have an entrepreneurial kiddo like I do my 18-year-old when he was 12. If someone's asking what he was going to do, I mean, I don't know, he probably would have said like run the world or something. I don't know. Own a big company while he was had just had a small little stand in front of our house selling firewood that he split. So he had that in his mind, like in his heart, that that's who he is and how he is wired. But instead of saying, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, hey, let's do this firewood stand. How can we do this really well? How can we get some advertising? How can we bundle everything up really well? How can you now, the money you've made, how can you tithe it? How can you save it? And are you going to spend anything? And how do you save it up to spend on something that maybe is a little bit bigger that you want? So I want to wrap that up with that question and say, it's not necessarily always a bad question, but it just kind of gets on me because I have seen my kids, if somebody says to them, what do you want to be when you grow up? They feel, I could see it in their eyes and I'll kind of jump in and I will say, oh, well, they are doing such and such. So if somebody asks my 15 year old, what do you want to be when you grow up? He's like, well, right now I'm doing things. Don't you want to hear about what I'm doing right now? And so we should. And so I want to like ask you to rephrase that question, especially when you talk to teens and young adults. Instead of saying, what are you going to do with your life? Or what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you doing right now? So what do you think? Should I even ask? <laughs> Did I open up a can of worms? I kind of hope so. It's a little bit fun. So I'm going to open the can of worms and I'm going to say goodbye to you and I'm going to run off and, <laughs> and hide. No, not really. But I would love that if you are enjoying this podcast, that you leave a review on Apple iTunes. All you have to do is scroll to the bottom, hopefully leave a five-star review, and just let me know in what way that this encourages or helps you, maybe what you want to hear more about. This helps that the podcast get out to other homeschool moms or soon-to-be homeschool moms and helps them to feel prepared and encouraged about homeschool because mamas, you and I and your homeschool mom friends, those of us that are deciding to educate our children in a different way at home and to grow our families and a culture together, our family lifestyle, I'm going to tell you right now, we are revolutionizing the world and it's amazing. So keep at it. Have a great day. Leave a review if you have a moment to do that. And I will see you right back here on the podcast in just a few more days. If this podcast has encouraged you, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. I love to hear how this show has impacted you. So if you could hop over and do that, I'd be so grateful. While you're at it, take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your friends to encourage them. You can also find me over on Instagram at Little by Little Homeschool. Until next time, have a beautiful day, Mama. <laughs>